now it's time for the jambalaya with the kingfish. Studio space for the jambalaya provided by WYAB, the place for true conservative talk radio in the Jackson metro area. The Jambalaya is sponsored by Guns and Gear, a proud sponsor of the Mississippi Scholastic Shooting Program that provides competition events for high schools across the state. Bring your student's gun to Guns and Gear for custom shotgun fittings, repair, and even complete restoration. They can adjust the length of the pool for your kids as they continue to grow. Guns and Gear, located on the corner of Yandale Road and Highway 51 in Gluckstadt. Follow them on Facebook for daily deals. Welcome back to the Jambalaya with the Kingfish. Tonight, we have none other than Joey Tannehill. He is sort of a renaissance man of Jackson. He has been a barista. He's now a bartender. He's played in a band. What else have you done? Uh, I'm always finding out, finding out <laughs> something new about you. Um, I've done a lot of weird things. I was uh, Such as? I was trained in Muay Thai kickboxing. I was a ballet major in college. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Um, I was um, I was a Chinese cook at one time. I mean, I'm not Chinese, but, you know, I cook Chinese food in a kitchen. <laughs> Just a little bit of, of appropriation, huh? Yeah. A little bit of culture. Of of I don't it. know if you can admit that now that you were doing that, because, oh, my gosh, I mean, well, you, you might get in trouble. My I'm, boss was Thai, and so I guess he was so I guess it made it okay. Chinese culture. <laughs> Ooh. And then teaching me how to appropriate it via my Thai boss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, we joke about that, but in some parts of the country, that's about how bad it's gotten. I mean, when I read about that restaurant, yeah. I think it was Oregon Northwest, she was cooking great Mexican food, but oh my gosh, she wasn't Mexican. Heaven forbid. How dare her. How dare she? I mean, you know. Uh, is it as bad if Mexican restaurants serve chicken strips? Is that a no-no because that's an American thing? Is that a... Well, let, let me put it this way. You know, one time I went to Paris and... When you went to the more tourist restaurants, especially the ones right by the Eiffel Tower, yeah, not the what I would call the authentic ones, you know, they always have American sections on the menu, like oh, here's the hamburger and pizza, and usually they taste like crap, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't get offended, but they were appropriating my menu to over there. Yeah, you're like, all right. <laughs> Although there were some places that actually picked. I mean, they cooked pretty good hamburgers, believe it or not. French cafes too. Very good. I cooks. was surprised. There's a, I've never been to France. I've had uh, French, well, I would consider French authentic food whenever uh, I went to Napa Valley. Oh, I tapped. And I went to Napa Valley and, let me move this guy closer. There we go. To the and, editor, uh, sorry. And there was a, yeah, sorry, man. There was a, a French uh, restaurant there and they were, uh, man, they made great, great roasts that would come out in like little personal pots. Mm-hmm. And it was just fantastic. Some of the best roasts I've ever had in my life. Wow. And so, all right, we got the ballet down. We got the Chinese cook down. What else? Uh, Told you this guy's a renaissance man. When I was, okay, I was homeschooled my whole life, right? So it's kind of a weird thing. That explains it. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, And I was a very awkward kid. uh, But my dad was like um, a very worldly guy. And, uh, and of course, he wanted us to play music and do all this. And, um, but... We were living in South Jackson, which, if you know anything about growing up in South Jackson, being a homeschooled kid that didn't know how to dress himself, like I'd be like, okay, I'm going to wear blue sweatpants and an army button-up today. <laughs> so I was like a giant target, like, hey, you should probably try to beat me up, you know? And it was it was kind of rough. I was bullied a lot at first, but I'd already, from previous neighborhood neighborhoods, 
where I grew up in was kind of rough. So I already like had this mentality of like, even though I was smaller, I was going to try to claw your eyeballs out. So, you know, well, it's like the guy know. in Porky's, you know, the Jewish kid, you know, he, when he beat the redneck's ass in the fight, what they, yeah. they're like, where'd you learn? He said, look, when you're Jewish, you, you learn how to fight. <laughs> yeah. You're going to take a lot of shit from people. It's just going to totally happen. Yeah. Yeah. But there was, uh, I got initiated into the vice Lords at, uh, 11 what? years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's got, let me get this straight. You're the only honky in the vice Lords. No, no, no. It was, you know, it, it, believe it or not, these are all white kids, which I think had a lot to do with the white flight from and and, South Jackson. And what are we talking? What, what time period are we talking about here? <sighs> so if I was 11, that would have been uh 92. Wow. So, you know, that was, you know, a lot of things were happening in the nation at that time. A lot of people were really scared. It was the, that was the big peak of violence in the nation that we haven't that's, even seen, seen until since. last year. That's when Jackson had its highest murders was 92 or 93, somewhere in there. Yeah. Right. Like there was uh See, now you sound like the mayor, everywhere. right? Yeah. You had like, you know, your, uh, your gang, uh, rap was the biggest, you know, during that time it was kind of, or really moving and growing and, uh, people were getting really crazy and violent, but also gangs were, uh, really expanding out and kids back then weren't, getting charged like adults at all and they were really scared of the gang because gang would threaten you know if you ever rap we're gonna kill your family and these are kids so they're and they meant it yeah and so the kids were uh obviously deathly afraid so they're the perfect little drug dealers they wouldn't rat on the gang they get thrown in juvie not much could be done about it they knew it wasn't the kids and that they weren't benefiting from it and then they would get put back out in the street right back to work you know and so what they were doing was they were getting these kids in the neighborhood, initiating them into the vice lords, scaring the crap out of them, getting them to work for them at their schools or wherever in the neighborhood, and then, you know, uh, getting them to bring them more kids. So it was a, like a pyramid scheme of uh, kids and drugs. <laughs> what kind of drugs? Uh, mostly just pot, you know, and whatever they could sell to like high school kids or other junior high kids that could scrounge up enough to buy. What were the high school kids buying? You know, like, see, back then, one of the things that was popular was something called Black Molly Twists. Oh, yeah. Which were like speed. Mm-hmm. That acid was really big back then. So you might get, you know, some acid tabs. They try to get you to And that's kind of when raves were kind of the thing, too, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. X started hitting the scene. I didn't really see X, though. I think that and was how old were you when you were seeing all these drugs? Like 11. Wow. But it was, um, so how it happened to me was like these, like, kids... And the neighborhood came to me. They were like, hey, you know, this kid over here has got uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the Nintendo. You know, we go over there and play it. I was like, all right, you know, let's go to this strange house. <laughs> Sold, you know. And we get there, and uh, and we're, we, there was at least Ninja Turtles and Nintendo. We were playing it. And all of a sudden, this guy came in, you know, and he's like a white dude that really wanted to be a hard thug, you know. And he's like, he had like a couple of tattoos, and he was like, 19 or something you know and he had this like swagger like on the man you know looking back now it's comical like how because he's doing around doing it around a bunch of little boys yeah basically. you know like how much of a pansy he really was you know but it's like him and a few other guys around his age they come in they're like get in here now you know and we're all like what the heck man you know they're you know shoving us around and popping us in the head and they get us in this living room and line us up and they start going down the line of the boys. They have a gun. They held it right to your head. And they're like, where do you go to school? And these kids were like, I go to Witten. They're like, you work for us at Witten now. Do you understand? 
and they're going down the line. And um, then they get to the homeschool kid. Yeah. So they get to me with my blue sweatpants and army button up <laughs> and my mullet, you know. Are you at a mullet? See, I've never yeah. seen you with hair ever since. I've, I've always known you with a shaved head, always. And I've known you for about, what, 10 years, 12 years? Dude. Uh, yeah, a long time. Probably like 15 or 15, 16. yeah. Because I think I first met you at Cups and Fondren a long a quarter. time ago. Quarter. Was it? I thought it was, I've mentioned, maybe it was a quarter. quarter. I thought maybe, but anyway. Oh, no, I stayed away from Fondren. I don't know. Okay. It wasn't my scene. They had, um, but it was, uh, see, I remember first time, first time working at Cups and Fondren, it was more like the AA crowd, you know. And there wasn't, it wasn't well, really, did have, it wasn't really you a hipster. You did have a rehab place over by there. Yeah, it wasn't really a hipster place yet no. whenever I first started with Cups. But the, I remember um, the first time I went there, I mean, they would just open. I mean, I would go over to UMC and study in the library at night and walk over there. Six, five dollars for a coffee. Yeah. I remember the first time any of us ever seen that in Jackson. You know, we just, now it's just people think nothing of it. But back then it was like, whoa. It's more than a dollar. This is insane. Yeah, but back to what you were saying about when they oh, went down the line with the so kids. So, yeah, so he so he gets the gun to my head, you know, and, and I'd seen guns before, uh, but I never— You're, you're in the it, South. Of course you've seen guns. Well, I mean, I was kind of sheltered. I was yeah. homeschooled, you know. My my dad, I think, owned a twenty two that he kept locked up, and I'd seen it. But, you know, and the um, and so he's got the gun to my head, and he's like, where do you go to school? And I was like— uh, I'm homeschooled. And the look on his face as he tried to piece together what that meant, like this dumb, uh, what can he do for me? Slack jawed guy. And he's like, he goes, uh, how many kids are at your homeschool? <laughs> Whether it's me and my brother and my sister. And he's like, we'll get back to you. And he goes like down the line. Like, <laughs> He doesn't know what to do, but they initiate me anyway. They don't know what to do with me. They don't, you know, I, I don't, I know these kids. Those are the kids I know. You want me to sell them drugs? Well, you just initiated them to sell drugs. What am I supposed to do now? Like, <laughs> did, it, did it ever occur to you to just say, no, I don't want to sell drugs? Well, I was, you're definitely afraid, man. Okay. You know, you're, I, was, I know. You know. Did the thought cross your head though? Just curious. Uh, yeah, I, I immediately was thinking, how the hell am I going to get out of this? You know, like, what, how the heck? <laughs> You're now a man. <laughs> how do I explain this to mom? <laughs> you know, she's like homeschooling me on purpose, trying to bubble me from this the is world. She's trying to keep you from. <laughs> and I come back, so I'm in the vice lords. All your efforts failed. You know, like, I don't like. <laughs> I don't. So, um, so what they did was they told me, like, okay, we'll just go break into houses and, and steal shit for us. And because uh, I knew how to like, because back then windows were easy to open. You could just kind of like pull them apart a little bit and slide them over. You get into a house. And I was a little bitty and, you know, I'd crawl in and out real fast. And they're like, you know, want me to like get good a VCR. And those houses were older. Yeah. They're all built in, I guess, what, the 60s and 70s. And, and so the, um, and so I did that a few times. But the, the, I think it was like third or fourth one they were making me do was break into, uh, my older brother's best friend's home and they didn't know that but i knew that and i was like what the hell am i gonna do and i broke into their home and i called their dad you know back in the day you'd have the numbers yeah for the parents work and everything on the yeah. refrigerator and uh and i saw that and i called him i felt bad and guilty like okay i gotta do something you know 
And I let him know, hey, I'm in your house. And he's like, why are you in my house? I was like, because I'm in a gang and I'm supposed to steal your TV. <laughs> like I said. <laughs> and he's like, what? And so he calls wherever Ty is at. And that's my brother's you know, best friend at the time. And Ty's like, gets over. He's like, what the hell are you thinking? You know, and of course, my brother and comes over. you're still 11 over. years old, right? Yeah. And, and they're like just jumping all over me. I'm like, I don't know what to do, man. And, and my brother was, at that time, was known as being kind of a, a little bit of a badass. Like he was, he was the kind of guy that you didn't want to win in a fight to because you're still going to walk away a different man. <laughs> like he was the type that would bite a chunk out of you. He wasn't afraid to, you know, fight really dirty. He's known for doing things like knocking people out and then peeing on them to humiliate them. Are you sure your last name isn't Chriselle? <laughs> Who's that? Another okay, day. Okay, all right, right. The um, and so Josh is like, yeah, I know of these guys, and so he got like his like posse together, and uh, and uh, I can't remember if it was that day or the next day, he made me go over there to that house, and confront those guys with his guys, and it's like you're walking the line to get out, you know, we'll make sure you don't die, but you're walking the line to get out. And how 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 scared were you when you did that? Uh. Man, you know, I, at that point, I'd been in a lot of fights. I'd gotten beat up pretty bad before. I'd gotten, you know, hit in the head. With yeah, you weren't, scared of an ass, you weren't scared of an ass whooping. Nah, but these guys were older, and they had, like... A little more serious. You know, chains and things to hit me with. And and uh, and I'd already gotten, you know, when they initiated you in, they beat the crap out of you. So I already knew, like, this is going to hurt a lot more than what I'm used to. And it's gonna hurt even worse than what I just when experienced. You find out, that's when you find out that when guys fight for keeps. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and they, and I knew that this time they were gonna want me to to hurt, you know. And, mm -hmm. and, and of course, you know, I started walking down the line, and each time I got to one of them, they each hit knocked me down. I had to keep on going and just get through it, you know. And I got through it though, and my brother took me home, and I was all beat to hell and back. By that point, my parents already knew about it, and. And they're like, you did what with him? He's like, well, he's out. <laughs> he's like. <laughs> and what exactly did uh, your parents do to you after all this? They uh, grounded me to the house. Oh, yeah. You definitely got grounded. The, um, I don't even remember how long the grounding was. Uh, Last year? Yeah. I finally got out. <laughs> I got a fiance now. Life is good. I got a <laughs> And what do I, and believe me, folks, he has a great fiance. I mean, he definitely outkicked his coverage. And Dude, every yes. now and then, when he's bragging about her on Facebook, I will put, I will just put in the comments, D F I U. And you can figure out what that means. <laughs> Don't fudge it up. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> she's, uh, she's, yeah, she's way, way out of my league. That's okay. Way out of my league. As long as you treat her that way. Yeah. You know, but yeah, as long as she's happy, give her happy. The, uh, don't f it up, but so so all right. Yeah. So eleven years old. So they were basically. It was almost like something out of kind of the wire. Or did you ever see that? Uh uh. Oh. I mean, I know it's a very popular show. I just yeah. You know, the drug dealers basically have the little kids working the corners, so if they get caught, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, that it's all based out of I guess reality. It's, it's pretty know. real. I think it kind of died off because, uh, as far as its popularity, because they started charging kids as adults at some point, and then they. Some of the more serious crimes, yeah. Yeah, and so kids were a lot more motivated to not continue or whatever. Well, I think part of it, you had this 
assistant attorney general Giles Bryant. He was over in Fondren waiting for his Sunday afternoon, waiting for his daughter to get his little girl was at ballet, wait, waiting to pick her up. And these little punks, and they shot him to death. One of them was 13, and the age at the oh. time just ricocheted around the newspapers and media here in town. If I could believe it. Then you had some other youngsters committing pretty heinous crimes too. So I think they changed the laws, if I remember correctly, back then. Well, that was you remember, it, uh, and I got I was there for it. The shooting at Funtime Skateland, and there was kids. Oh yeah. It was a uh, the kid who did the shooting was also 13. Yeah. And he shot. Uh, three kids, and he killed one of them. And then you had, of course, Luke Woodham. I mean, those kids were all in high school that was doing what they did. Right around that same time, yeah. yeah mid I can't believe it's been 24 years already. The uh, Wow. Yeah. I mean, to me, it seems like just yesterday it happened. Uh, yeah, it, it's all, all that music's now classic rock, too. What the heck? Like it's <laughs> Dude, I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of Nirvana is classic rock now. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I'm comfortable with the '80s music, but you know, still like Nirvana and all those guys. I mean, they're wearing Nirvana T-shirts now. They don't haven't heard their music just because. Have it's no cool. idea. Have no <laughs> idea what it is. I mean, have no idea what it is. But you've been in the service industry for a long time. Yeah. And you know, a year and a half ago, when COVID hit, and here came the shutdowns. And I, f- I forget you were bartending at the time when the shutdowns happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're also playing bass in a band at the time. Yeah, I was um, I was bartending actually um, at a hotel lounge at Hilton, and it um, Fitzgeralds. Yeah, and I was uh, I, I love the job. It was a great job. Um, you, know, you always had like constant, steady supply of uh, conferences coming in. Your nurses, your uh, coaches, and all kinds of and different, different customers. Like your Sanderson Farms, you know. Uh, but I mean, not just people. your regulars all the time, but just a different. Always something fresh, kind of. Yeah, well, and, I mean, you did have your uh, steady, like you know, these directors of operations that were coming through. Like every month, they come in for a few days and hang out because they had their circuit of stores that they would constantly go through, you know, or things like that, and um, uh, different road crews and stuff. It, it, so there's a lot of you definitely got your regulars, and then you'd have your occasional weird stuff. You'd have your uh, sometimes you'd have your local uh politicians or you know skeezy lawyer guys like meeting people who who aren't their wives you know (laughs) and things that you couldn't you know talk about ever what was was the craziest Um, what was the craziest one of those you ever saw one one that stands out without naming anybody or being too distinctive oh man i don't know It, it it really wasn't ever that crazy other than it was like you know a girl would come to the bar and she would be wearing like some kind of like sheer or something. We're like, oh well, there's your nipples. All right, well, and then you know, it's <laughs> like good, good. Uh, in case anybody was wondering, now we know. That's great. Yeah. And the, uh, and you know, just dressed like she was, you know, just got off the pole at Danny's, you know, and uh, literally, yeah. And she was like maybe like, and and she was, and I would be like, hey, what you want to get to drink? And she would say something. I got Coke, and I'd be like, oh, you don't want to like it. And she's like, oh, I'm not old enough, you know? And then there would be this guy come in, and he's like, you know, white-haired. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they start talking, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys are obviously old friends. I mean, <laughs> that's, your, that's your niece. I get it. <laughs> yeah, man. I get it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Y'all need to go upstairs and talk about these. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, it was, man. But, you know, so year and a year and a half, 
we've had this COVID crap and we had shutdowns and yeah, we had shutdowns for a while and a lot of businesses could reopen after, I think it was a month or so, a few weeks, a couple of months, but you guys were nailed. And I mean, nailed, yeah. flattened, wiped out. What's it been like for, for you in the service industry for the last year and a half? Man, I mean, I want people to see what it's like from your end. When that when that first happened, um, I set myself up for failure big time, not for seeing the pandemic, what it would do to me financially. Uh, I just, you know, uh, got in a truck, you know, based on the income I was making. Uh, you know, I was playing for, you know, I'm a main fill-in for Dr. Zars, Funk Monster, uh, you know, I'm the you know singer and basis for Pop Fiction. That's my baby. Used to be in U.S., but we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. And then um, and I still filled in for other bands like Style and T.J. Burnham. So I was really busy, like pretty much every weekend. You know, two or three days I was going to be gone playing somewhere. Um, and during the week was when you were out, we were actually busy at the hotel bar. So it kind of worked out perfect. They had a steady, constant work, and uh, and it was all good pay. I was doing the best I'd ever done. And the um, and all of a sudden, everything was shut down. All dates were canceled. And they let go of everybody at the Hilton except for a skeletal crew. Um, which wasn't, you know, that was a corporate call. And um, uh, because they were afraid of being, you know, I understand. They were afraid of being well, liable if people getting Not just stuff that, people and, couldn't you know, travel. Yeah. I mean, your business basically going to zero almost, pretty much. We're mandated by the city you that can't we can have, only have, like... You can't have events there. 25% capacity or something, you know. I mean, um, a friend of mine had a job, was events, handled events for where you work now. Won't say any names here. Yeah, know, yeah. But, I mean, just killed them. Yeah. Well, and we were like, of course, you know, all those people were laid off. Uh, my boss, even who was over everything mm -hmm. in that grounds, like all the restaurants, he was laid off. Uh, so it, it was, um, and all of a sudden, I wasn't, didn't have any income, no, no even light at the end of the tunnel. And at the time, you know, unemployment was still really low, like 2.30 a week, and I was like, well, that ain't gonna. We, we hadn't gotten around to the extra benefits and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, you know, and so, like, they had not even guaranteed forgiveness or, you know, to put off, you know, um, uh, payments, you know, unregular stuff like car payments. So I was like, okay, well, I got to get something. And I went to Costco and they hired me on the spot, but all they had was just what they called seasonal work. So, cause I, they were thinking it would be a short term thing and everybody would go back to work and they probably wouldn't be able to keep me anyway. Two weeks to flatten the curve. That's right. You know, two weeks. Yeah. And so I was hired on, uh, and of course I was only able to, get part-time hours if you know they're 15 bucks an hour they're you know famous for starting people at and the uh i mean i was glad for it but then right after i started i remember they upped the unemployment to 800 dollars a week and i was like oh man <laughs> and i remember i went to my manager i was like is there any way you guys could just like lay me off <laughs> please <laughs> You're you're better off in the long run, though. Yeah, and I mean, but you know, it. But, but I was desperate. I was so you know, my bills were based off of an income that I was now making like a quarter of, you know, and uh, I wasn't, you know. Finally, things started rolling in, like the you know, being able to put off your payments without interest and all that. And I was like, okay, well, I can at least get by 
for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was right at the tail end of that, right at the tail end of that where it was about to end. And I was going to be like, well, I guess I got to sell my truck and, you know, start you? selling off stuff. No, no. Cause I, right at the tail end of that, when it was about to start rolling around, uh, my friend called me up and was like, Hey, we're about to reopen at Georgia blue. We need bartenders. Mm-hmm. And I was like, thank God. Like it was like right at <laughs> the wire. Like, <laughs> uh, and so that's my, you know, started bartending for them. And I remember you were pretty vocal about the whole shutdown thing. I mean, you were really pissed off. Well, yeah. You were laying into, like, the governor pretty good on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really good. Yeah. Well, you know, now he's kind of making better decisions. You know, I just... What I was your you biggest know, criticism back then? Um, the, the, the hypocrisy. And the, how things just didn't make sense. Like, okay, if it's, okay, if this disease is, you know, one of its main forms of transmission is just being in the air. It can last in the air for up to nine hours. Uh, it can travel up to 23 feet, even in a still air environment. And so they're going to close down all the businesses except for big giant stores and then limit their hours and then try to squish everybody in these big giant stores at the same time. If you wanted to spread the disease more, I'm not sure they could have done anything better. Interesting. And if you just let everybody go to their normal watering holes and do their normal thing, everybody would have kept in their little pockets. And those pockets may have gotten infected and had problems or whatever. There might have been some cross here and there and whatever. But now you're taking all those people and pushing them all into big box stores at the same time. You'd go to Kroger and you, you know, now they'd say six feet, nobody was six feet apart, nobody. There'd be, you know, in Walmart, 2,000 people all crammed fighting for toilet paper. And the thing about the small businesses, I'll give you an example. You know, in Jackson, Mayor Shutsall, same thing. If you're essential, you can stay open. All right, let's look at Green Oak Nursery. Yeah. Pillar of the community. They've stayed in Jackson no matter what, and they've had to put up with a lot of shit, a lot. Yeah. And they now can't operate. But damned if I can't go down the street to Home Depot and buy the same everything that Green Oak sells, or if I can't go to Lowe's in South Jackson and buy the same exact stuff that Green Oak sells, yep. and that's okay because, oh, they also sell groceries too, so they're, quote, essential. Yeah. You know, and you saw that over and over and over and over, you know? Yeah, and, and instead of, um, you know, so you're not stopping large groupings of people. In fact, you're increasing them. You're, mm-hmm. you're, uh, and you're shoving people who would never even be around each other or have anything to do with each other into the same spaces. So if you wanted to cross-contaminate, if you wanted it to, to jump to different... Because as you get to know cities, you realize that each city has pockets of people that know each other and their own little cultures. You know, people in Fonder, and there's a lot of people in Fonder that just stick around in Fonder and only know the people in there. Uh, and all these people start getting smooshed together. You know, I yeah. just... But but at the same time, it's okay to have 2,000 people in Walmart, but I can't play a show because there's going to be 200 people there. The, the one I you thought know. was crazy, like <laughs> when the mayor, sorry, when the mayor shut down the parks, for example. I mean, yeah. and we know more about this now because we really haven't had any transmissions in the outdoor settings like that. Yeah. It, uh, we know now it doesn't transmit really that way. I mean, but. You're out in the sun in a park walking. First of all, the sunlight stimulates vitamin D production in your skin. I mean, the, 
it doesn't really travel that well. I don't think it really lasts that long either. Yeah. You know, active. But that's actually one of the safest things. And you go find out that where they're basing a lot of the outdoor transmission on came from a study over in Singapore with this, con- and that came from a construction site, which was very, is a very flawed study where everybody was working around each other all the time. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, in close Wait quarters, like, you know, at the park, I'm not getting real close and to I've, somebody and saying, Hey, what you doing here? Like I'm not, you know, and I've questioned Dr. Dobbs cause he says, Oh, six feet, social distancing. But when you go to the WHO, it's three feet. Yeah. I'm just well, saying, you know, and the, it ultimately, there's um, it has seemed to me that that either either you're going to do it all the way, mm-hmm. close everything down, which would ruin a lot of stuff, or admit that things still have to run and the nation still has to run. Mm-hmm. But what about you those know, who say that what you were doing entertainment is not essential? Well, yeah, sure, but I mean, throwing everybody. You know, if your goal is to limit the spread, then what we did was the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. We we maximized the spread. There was no better. We there was nothing we could have done to better spread the virus mm-hmm. than what we did. Uh, in fact, whenever the virus first came over, you know, in Italy they already they had already been wrecked by it, and they already said, look, you know, this virus is very dangerous for old people and people who are obese and that have respiratory problems or immune problems. So we already knew tons about the virus uh, from what it did in Italy. And what did we do when it first started hitting in New York? We put all the uh, COVID victims in old folks' homes. Yeah, nursing homes, yeah. But, you know. If we wanted to up those numbers, I'm not sure we could have done anything better. And they did it in Michigan as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was just, to me, the height of just, it's almost suicide. I mean, let's just put these people in that haven't. Mm. Like now, you know, uh, I, I don't understand. And any, anything taken to the extreme can be harmful. Racism taken to the extreme, as we know, can be very deadly. Yeah. Agreed. But you know what? Anti-bigotry taken to the extreme. Well, you know, I have a vaccine, but I don't have enough for everybody. I don't want to discriminate against one group. Okay, we can't give anybody a vaccine. Okay, yeah. I'm exaggerating. But yeah. in this case, well, we don't want to discriminate against people who have a disease. So we're going to ship them into these nursing homes, and don't you question us about it. Yeah. Well, what happens? People die from it. Yeah. I mean, use some common sense here. Well, yeah. And the, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm definitely not against the vaccine. I think a person should make an educated, um, uh, you know, learn, have you gotten a, learn you about want to it. Say? Uh, I have not. Okay. Um, Why and is that's that? because uh, the people I've talked to, you know, I, I got like, very thick blood, blood pressure problems, things like that. And of course, one of the big things that it can do is cause inflammation of the heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, I've already had COVID and gotten over it. And according to the studies, I, I remember it, when you had it. Yeah. And according to the studies in Israel, it uh, looks like my natural immunity is uh, better than the vaccine. It de- and, There's some debate over that. Yeah. Natural immunity is a good thing, but when it mutates and has different variants, in fact, I put up a post by this pathologist on my website tonight, and he was talking about how the natural immunity is good, but in some ways not quite as good as the vaccine. But when you get to different variants and mutations, those can evade natural immunity too because what happens? You get a flu strain one year, you're not going to get that flu strain again that year. But the next year yeah. you might have a different strain. 
Because and my you operating it. system is not yet updated to the new. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what act. it is. You haven't gotten the update yeah. yet, you know, and you can either get the update through vaccine or an infection. I mean, you yeah. know. And I'm definitely not now, opposed to it. You know, I'm just, you know, for, for the side effects it currently has, I'm mm-hmm. kind of hesitant. My thing with the natural immunity thing is, and I'm not disagreeing with natural immunity. Yeah. yeah. I think it definitely keeps you from getting it again, but is what you have to go through for the whole population to get to that point. Our healthcare system can't really handle it. Just, you know, and I've had people say, well, yeah. the health department's lying about their stats. They're making stuff up. You know, well, fine, prove it. Show me something. Prove it to me, okay? Show me some evidence. Show me some numbers. But when you look at them, like 85% are hospitalized or are not vaccinated, or 85 90% of the deaths are not vaccinated i mean and you yeah. look at this state after state after state now and somebody can say well dobbs is fudging the numbers okay well m- maybe he is but you know what w- we all say mississippi is a not re- is a small club is what it is yeah this is where it works to the advantage because i know people in these hospitals and i talk to them and they tell me not just you know management nurses yeah. nurses aides and they're all doctors. They all tell me the same exact thing over and over and over, you know. So well, I'm pretty sure those numbers are accurate. And the vast majority of the people who are unvaxxed are, of course, still the high risk. They're and, the, the but my point are, is, oh, go ahead. this is why when you're trying to work through national, yes, nat, natural immunity does work. But look at how many people are going to wind up when you go that route getting hospitalized, dying, et cetera. I mean, it swamps your health care system. And the people who are. Uh, going in for other things that can't get the care they need. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's over overrun. Uh, you and know, there's people that, oh, the mass majority of people who are unvaccinated, who are in critical care, uh, they are elderly, they have respiratory problems, mm-hmm. they're obese, or, you know, they fit those criteria. And it makes sense because those are the high risk factors. But the, uh, I definitely, if you're one of those high risk factors, I definitely recommend you need to get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the vaccine is obviously nowhere near as deadly for you as COVID. You know, it's COVID is going to be a hundred times more deadly for you. So it's, uh, I definitely like for my mom, for instance, she's 72 years old. Uh, she's survived breast cancer. She's had knee replacements, hip replacement, you know, she's the bionic woman now, but (laughs) (laughs) we have rebuilt her. Yeah. We can rebuild her. We have the technology. But it's obvious that, you know, for her, she definitely needs to get, I feel she would need to get the vaccine. If I was her, I would. Um, has she? Uh, yeah, she has. And have the, any problems? Uh, she's okay. But she's also very antisocial. She stays in the house. Yeah. She's albino, too, uh, so she doesn't like the outside much. I understand why. <laughs> I, I get it. Uh, the sun is not friendly to her. But, um, but her exposure is going to be probably minimal. Yeah, and she's 72. You know, But my dad, you know, he's retired, but he also works at Walmart. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I do worry about him. Uh, but yeah, I, but he's probably one of those types of retirement, really re- real retirement, we just kill him probably, you know? Yeah, he likes to stay busy. He's, you know. I mean, how many how many elderly people, you know, that when they retire, don't do anything, hang around the house, boom. Yep. You know, uh, and I think they definitely keep each other taken You ever too. notice how many painters, artists actually live to their 80s and 90s? Because they always have Start work. thinking about it, man. They Monet, always have work. Degas, all these guys. I mean, and those are people dilated. back then. The, the average age was like fifty-five or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> but there is something about staying creative and working. Just I really think for those guys, yeah, doing what they were doing 
kept them alive a very long time. Passion. You know, there's yeah. something to be said for that. And, and your um and all the, the, the different hormones are released in your body. Like yeah. uh, I saw it was um God, I can't remember what what her actual title was, but her degree required her to get several degrees in like biology and other things, but it made her uh uh but she studied the physiology physiology of the body and how hormones react to mm-hmm. different systems like your blood. And uh, as she said, interestingly, how uh, stress happens and how people get heart attacks is uh, is your natural reaction to danger is your blood thickens up. So if you get cut or bitten or clawed, like, you know, caveman brain, your blood's thicker, it coagulates faster, you don't bleed out as fast. Interesting. So, uh, and so your blood naturally uh, kind of, I guess, constricts and gets real tight up on each other, whereas, uh, but that's fear but uh whereas a person if they um it's a different effect and a different hormonal effect if a person sees the challenge something as a challenge you, you still have the, mm-hmm. the blood pressure increase and everything else says but the blood vessels open up in the middle and they're allowed to flow the through fight or, the fight or flight yeah and, and so yeah. they're so they're not uh in fear and they uh and so they rise to the challenge. She goes, and she looked at people who are in high stress jobs, and uh, uh, and the people who saw their stress as something that they were going to conquer. Aha! Uh-huh, you know, those people uh, didn't have, and, it, it, and everybody that she studied had a family history of heart problems, right? Mm-hmm. But the people who had that kind of mentality uh, suffered, didn't suffer any heart attacks, whereas the other control group who were more kind of like psychologically. Oh, you know what I mean? With <laughs> yeah. their with their workload, were a lot more. Uh, There's a lot, you know, more problems, heart attacks, strokes, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing occurred in that group. And the uh, and they believe it was because of their physiological response to the stress, which all came from perception. So how you perceive problems and approach them mm-hmm. literally changed how your body reacts to them, and and your health. Wow. This podcast is sponsored by Guns and Gear. Don't be that guy who shows up to the deer camp with a jammed up gun because it hasn't been cleaned. Guns and Gear in Gluckstadt has a full service gunsmith on site who can clean, repair, or refurbish any gun. Guns and Gear offers barrel threading, custom gun builds, and Cerakote from single color to custom patterns that will transform your gun to look like it came right out of a movie. Give your gun new life. Guns and Gear, located on the corner of Yandale Road and Highway 51 in Gluckstadt. Follow them on Facebook for daily deals. Looking back now, like I said, you're pretty vocal about the shutdowns and the governor not yeah. opening up You know all the entertainment venues, etc. What would you... Going back now, what would you say? Hey, Governor, here's what you ought to do. What would it be? Um, I mean, to me, I'm I'm very I'm a very confusing person because there's some senses you think? that I'm very libertarian. There's some senses where I'm kind of uh, I wouldn't say socialist, but I believe in those safety nets and things like that. So I kind of you know, and there's definitely two different Joeys that that yeah. argue with each other a lot, you know. And debate with each it's other. Called bipolar. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have been diagnosed. The, uh, but the, uh, uh, I'm I'm definitely for. Uh, we have progressive. We have social justice, Joey. Then we have Q, Joey. <laughs> exactly. They, uh, 
And I just, I'm very much for um, people, I don't know, I, I have a problem with the whole present your papers type mentality. Mm-hmm. I just do. I, I naturally, I'm, there's, I'm a natural rebel. And so whenever people start telling me you can't, you have to, and I, I understand that the, that you did, we did need to curb things. I was totally on board with the, the two weeks flatten the curve and all that, you know. Um, but then it turned into months and months and yeah. months, and you still can't have concerts, which is your livelihood. You still can't, yeah, you know, do things. And it, uh, I was like, how many people need to go homeless? You know, how many how many people do you know in the service industry? that left it and didn't come back during all this? Uh, um, honestly, I know a lot of people who left it and then they kind of came back. Um, it kind of isn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the things, a lot of them couldn't find the same type of employment. So now they have a hybrid of jobs where they're part-time service, and they're mm-hmm. part-time sales or something, you know, a lot of service industry people I know went into uh, different sales or, yeah. or realty or how many of them just found went found other careers yeah are they, like realty you know quite you know, a few that few did that or yeah or they tried but you know like realty right now is so flooded with people trying to get into it that it's kind of like yeah you know uh uh i'm lucky that i that i found what i did and that they like me and i'm well i know some know. Re- some some places also had problems getting workers because there were some that shut down that you know, they treat their employees right. Yeah. Some paid what they could, tried to take care of them. Some just, they shut down for like a week or two, then reopened. I know some restaurants that actually did better last year than the year before, before COVID. They just sat down, they figured it out, and they busted their humps, and they actually did quite well. Yeah. You know, like Krilakis on Saturday nights, weekend nights in Ridgeland. I mean, they'd have a whole line of cars. I mean, you, you know, yeah. they have others. I mean, they could have stayed open and chose not to and i know several that they kind of abruptly said all right we're shutting down sorry go file yeah good luck and then <laughs> but then when it came time to reopen though karma's a bitch sometimes because guess what happened yeah those employees mm-hmm. a lot of them remembered how they were treated and they but i know i'm gonna stay on this unemployment thanks or <laughs> i'm gonna go work for somebody else yeah you know um, and i know a couple of restaurants that delayed reopening like by a month or two because they honestly could not get people their employees to come back and what i was what i was under the understanding that it was because they weren't happy about the way they just let go well it definitely put the ball back in the the court of the workers Mm -hmm. where they're kind of like oh we're in demand now you know you need need us yeah not the other way around and so uh, you, you definitely see a lot of, uh, things like even at, you know, restaurant where I work at, we were offering, uh, I think it was like a bonus to jump on or mm-hmm. the, if you recommended somebody and they completed training, then you got a bonus per yeah. person, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it was a naturally motivator for everybody to try to bring in good people to the restaurant that would survive training and do well. Yeah. The, um, uh, you know, where I work now, they, they uh for the people who stuck with them through covid they rewarded them really well and they did really great things for them mm-hmm. um there was definitely you know but you definitely saw things at all restaurants like people who uh when they were starting back they weren't wanting to work but like way one day a week so they continue to get their mm-hmm. the big weekly check <laughs> well i mean they were trying, trying yeah. to work the system 
Well, and they were trying. And a lot of them felt like they'd been screwed over by the system. Yeah. Let's be honest here. And they're trying to recoup their losses from the months they're out of work. So it's, I you know, hey, if you got kids and you got to put food on the table, like, you know, and keep yourself from being evicted and to catch up on your rent or whatever. I mean, or keep your truck. Yeah, or keep your truck. Wow. Uh, you know. Which, I mean, I would have been fine. I would have had to sell it and buy a, a crappy truck that would have been similar to, like, my first car in high school, but I would have gotten I mean, by. you've been through this before. You know how, you know how to, to adapt and what, what to do, basically. I'll, I'll rebuild. A lot of people just, yeah. oh, my gosh, what do I do now, you know? Yeah, you got to slim down. You have to downscale and rebuild again, you know? Mm-hmm. It sucks, but, you know. Um, what are you seeing now? Are, are you seeing, like, the entertainment coming back, like the Little concerts, the musical acts, et cetera. Yes and no, uh, it, because each state's different. Um, but I mean here. Oh, in Mississippi? Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of confidence, I think, right now in our governor to, to book shows and to do things. And, uh, you know, I've had, like, uh, shows booked, like a debutante ball. I'm sorry. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that, sorry. <laughs> that, uh, that I've been, I'm really excited to play it, actually. I think it'll be fun. But, but it's been pushed back literally because we were supposed to play it, I think, uh, in October of 2020 originally. And we're finally going to get to do it in November of 2021. <laughs> they're, just ter- they're just determined to make it happen. You know? Yeah, yeah. You I know. understand. Like, we pay the deposit. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Dave Chappelle is kind of like that. I've got tickets to the uh, Chappelle. And last year they announced in January he was going to play Memorial Day weekend. So, of course, tickets sold out in like an hour. Yeah. And I got lucky. They're in the uppers, but still, you know, of course, all this crap hits. And they say, okay, we postponed to Labor Day weekend. Okay, great. And fine, you know, didn't happen. So it was they announced this year we're going to have it, you know, Labor Day weekend. And you had to go back and buy your tickets again because they refunded everybody. And this time, though, because of COVID, I mean, they got new rules, like everybody has to wear a mask and all this stuff. It still hasn't sold out. Well, and it's unique to the, the artists, too. And the artists have their own. Then, of course, what happens the weekend before the, con- the show? Hurricane Ida hits. So forget that show. No power. Then Rogan gets COVID. But dang, that show ain't happening because, you know, it it really was not meant to be for them. I mean, between Rogan's COVID and <laughs> Hurricane Ida, no power, the transmission tower falling in the river. I mean, it wasn't, you know. Divine powers said yeah, no. I mean, that's it about no. so, but they're determined. So 28th on a Thursday night, they're going to have it. <laughs> we'll see. I still think something is going to happen you, you before create, then. You need to create a disaster bingo on what's going to happen that night to keep it from happening. <laughs> I know, oh, shoot. That's a good idea, actually. Because That's a really good idea. Disaster bingo. Disaster bingo. Because I really, I'll be... Half of me says it's going to happen, but the other half is saying, no, it's not going to happen. All right, who had poisonous gas cloud? All right. Because yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's about, but they're determined to put Acid that, rain, you're on. <laughs> they're determined yes. to put that show on. They really are. And if you get in there, you know it's going to be funny. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. going to be funny. I mean, it's Chappelle. I mean, you know, okay, Joe Rogan, I love your podcast, but you know what? I might show up at halftime, okay? Dude, he's he's... <laughs> Chappelle is great, and I love... And he had libs, I mean. Yeah, and I love how he, uh, when he talks about uh, his show, and he's like, man, if my show came out these days, I'd be canceled immediately. People would lose their mind. It's now on HBO Max, and I never actually saw his show. I've seen his Netflix specials now. I've seen YouTube stuff, you know, but I've never actually watched it. I went back and (laughs) recently started watching on HBO Max. Oh, boy. 
Oh yeah, first episode of the first. Can you show imagine ever. in living color today? No. <laughs> Ooh, let's give it our special Zorro snap. Oh, I mean, oh the... my gosh, they would just be blowing up. Or when they had that little thing called the Brothers Tom. Well, that might still pass because you're making fun of Uncle Tom. So that's today yeah. that would probably still pass. But I remember but some of the other stuff. I mean, there was one. There's Chevy Chase one... on Saturday Night Live. That oh my god. Oh, there's one sketch <laughs> where. One of the Wayans brothers play played a uh, runaway slave. It was like a hundred oh. years after the war. Did you ever see that one? Uh uh-uh. uh. Like and he didn't realize that it was. He did. He didn't know. Realize him <laughs> oh, and yeah. his pappy were living in a cave. I'm sorry, that's what they called him on the on the show. And they were, and so his pappy died and his daddy died. And so he says he's telling me, okay, you need to get up north. You know, I mean, here's what you do. You know, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's a hundred years later. I mean, you couldn't do that. Well, you might could, yeah, but you would catch some help for it. Here would here would come the twit mob just going oh, yeah. nuts. I mean, oh my gosh, how dare you do this? Blah 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 blah. You and, know, you know, even if it was even if it was uh, uh, you know a group of uh, African American people putting on the skit. There'd be some. They'd still ang- There'd be some angry white woman telling yeah, it, them why they were wrong. You're normalizing. No, you're internalizing <laughs> white supremacy. That's what they would say. I yeah. mean, and it's like really. I mean, when I saw some of these social justice guys just slamming Jim Brown one time. Okay, do you realize who you're talking about? Jim Brown. He lived and did a lot more. I mean, like there's this one guy named Daryl Davis. You ever seen him? Uh. Uh-uh. He's a jazz. Um, I think he's a jazz drummer. But he has made it his mission in life to go save Klansmen. Oh, I have seen him. That guy, yeah. I have seen him, yeah, yeah. And He's incredible. Man, took some real balls to do what he's done. Yeah. And you know, he did it. And he has had he has had several Grand Dragons, Wizards, whatever, just say, you know what, this ain't for me anymore. And they would actually give him their robes. I mean, that and instead of getting their face and screaming and hollering, what he's done is go the opposite route, use love. As a weapon of sorts. And how you know? many thousands times more powerful is he in oh, that fight? Yeah. But like a couple of years ago, a bunch of these little social justice punks were screaming and yelling, he's a friend, he's a guy who's a friends with the Nazis. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, <laughs> it's like, do you dumbasses realize he, you know, you, you know, if they want to, like with my website, if they just want to trash me or do that kind of, go ahead, go ahead, buddy, dig up my dirt, go ahead, you want to put it, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's um I mean, but that's the world we live in today where these little these phones right here have just empowered everybody and instead of your five people in the town that everybody ignored, now they've hooked up with ten people in this town, twenty people in well, that town, and now they think they're a mob. And, and logic is, is out the door. Uh oh, yeah. you know, one of the things is oh, have you seen what they're doing to Russell Brand lately? No. Oh man. He dared have on his little podcast or show whatever on YouTube, he was Discussing the anti anti vaxxers, and it was actually a healthy discussion. And here came the twit mob, you know. Here came the Daily Beast. I mean, they just they were they were Daily Beast was calling YouTube trying to get him canceled. His, you know, so why are you letting this guy on? I mean, the it's amazing how these people now just can't even. It's you don't have they don't want you even having someone of the opposite view just to find out. All right, why do you think this way? And he he actually had Candace Owens on recently. Yeah. And he tore her ass up. I mean, up. Jeez. You know. I, I like him a lot. I mean, she like, was kind of outmatched. Kind of she was him. kind of outmatched. When she started calling Jeff Bezos a socialist and stuff, and he said, wait a second. I'm the one who think. 
that's not socialism. What I'm for is socialism. I want to take most of everything Jeff Bezos has and give it to everybody else. Okay, that's a socialist. What you're saying yeah, is yeah. not socialist. He just ripped. She was just really intellectually outmatched against him. Okay. Yeah. And they were, but you know, people didn't bother to even go look and see what the whole show was or what was said. They just, oh, he had her on. Yeah. He had her on. Here it came. How dare you present an opinion? Yeah. Or people who disagree with the, yeah. If you can't, if you can't, you know, and, and that's a that's a problem is that there's no pro- progression in thought either. Mm-mm. It's just like Hegel, you know, had he's like you got to have your um, your thesis, and then you have your antithesis, which is somebody who has an idea that's different, and then you hash it out, and from your hashing it out, one disproves the other, or you come to a conclusion that satisfies both, and that's the synthesis, and that becomes a new thesis. Mm-hmm. Is and this is how thought progresses, and how we become more advanced. And, uh, and and it's no longer that. It's if you disagree with me, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I can't take and it. You know where you've seen that that whole way of thinking before? My five year old when I tell her something Besides she doesn't want to hear. <laughs> the French Revolution. You start studying the Jacobins, Marat, oh, all yeah. those guys. You start forget the communist. Okay, let's go back to the French Revolution because they were based on Rousseau for the most part. But you look at read what they were advocating at the time this is exactly the same kind of thinking they were advocating back then yeah. i mean they it was good and evil with them and if you were dared discussing something they disagree with that was evil therefore you weren't a person and you didn't have a right to anything period wouldn't it scary voltaire said uh if you want to find out who your masters are find out who you cannot criticize or something like that yeah, yeah. and he got thrown in jail for writing stuff yeah. he wrote something one time about frederick the great and he spent some time <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, he 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 and Rousseau did not like each other. Uh, one time, courage and stupidity are closely related. Well, mo- <laughs> well, yeah, and one and you know, Rousseau is all about le- education. Let's just we don't need to have kids on a formal curriculum or formal instruction. Let them learn at their own pace. You know, basically let them let them be little wild animals and they'll figure it out. And he was the noble savage and all that. And Voltaire said, you, sir, want us to be on all fours. And I quit doing that when I was two years old. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh they had a very famous feud. I mean, if oh, you're wow, like okay. intellectual reading, I mean, just read some of the letters between them. It was real contempt. But, of course, most people didn't like Rousseau after some point. So, you know. Yeah. It kind of. And we're going that direction. We're going in that. We are going that, that direction. That romantic, it goes in cycles. That romantic. Uh, romanticism yeah you're right it does the mm-hmm. romanticism into the more logical thinking and, and we're so deep into the romantic cycle now that i think uh you know it's what do you mean what what you feel is god not you know mm-hmm. not what i feel trumps what is oh see there you go you went you said the bad word trumps uh, oh yeah <laughs> you can't say Whoops. that Oops. you're a clansman it spades it spades <laughs> what it is we're playing spades You've been listening to the Jambalaya with the Kingfish. Tune in next week for a new episode.